Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. For those that weren't with us this morning, we're in the third message of a series that Pastor Ned started. I don't know if he knew he was starting a series, but I um, Tuesday I was driving to work and the Lord really just began to move upon my heart in an unusual way, just the love of the Father and reciprocating that love for the Father. And I, God just began to show me uh, that he wanted us to continue this, uh, this theme that Pastor Ned started on last Sunday of lost and found. And last Sunday, Pastor Ned really kind of zeroed in on the theme of the older brother, that there were two sons. And if you weren't here, I'd encourage you to get that. And then Wednesday, um, we talked about being a witness, how God has called us to be witnesses for Jesus Christ, specifically in the context of bringing the lost home. And tonight, I, I want to continue along the, the same theme. Uh, tonight, I want to talk about the Lord, our refuge, home, home, being found home in the Lord's presence. So, Father, we just pray tonight that our hearts would be open, Lord, and that you would minister to us your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. In John 21, Jesus was talking to Peter, and this is in the context of Jesus appearing to the disciples after his resurrection. They were on the boat. They were off doing their own thing. They were discouraged. Peter said, let's go fishing. And when they came to shore, they found no fish. When they came back to shore, they saw Jesus standing there on the shore with breakfast cooked for them. And it's in this context that Jesus began to break bread and have conversation with Peter about his denial and moving forward. And in verse 15, it says, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And I've, I've heard it preached that as Peter denied Jesus three times, Jesus wanted three confessions of, of his love for him, and I'm fine with that. But I, I kind of see in this that Jesus is saying, Peter, I want you to show me your love for me. Show me that you love me. And in showing me that you love me, I want you to feed my lambs. I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to shepherd the flock of God as an overseer, not with compelling, but leading as an example, as the Bible says in 2 Peter. He says, Peter, 
as he instructed my disciple John in the first epistle of John. We know that you love the Father because you have love for the brethren. And we know that you have love for the brethren because you have love for the Father. Amen? It goes up and it goes sideways. And he's saying, Peter, I want you to show me your love for me by feeding the sheep. This is a place to be fed. Amen? God's house is a place where people can come and have their souls fed. It's a place where the lost can come and eat, where they can eat spiritual food for their souls that they might live. Amen? So in the context here, notice he starts with lambs. And this is a picture of young believers coming in. This is a picture of new believers. And he says, Peter, I want you to take care of these little ones when they come in. I want you to be looking for them. I want you to expect to feed them, care for them as they come to faith in Christ. And then he says, Peter, I've also, I've got sheep as well. So I want you looking after the, the young lambs and the, the, the middle-aged lambs and even the, the elderly lambs. And how many know that God's not talking about a four-legged animal with white fur? Right? You know, the Bible says that we have returned to the shepherd, to the overseer of our souls. Jesus is the great shepherd of the flock. He is the overseer of our souls. And God says, just as, as I've called you into my flock and I've shown mercy upon you, I want you to help me to bring in the other members of my flock, the other lost sons and daughters that belong in my house. I want you to reach out to them. I want you to call to them. I want you to bring them in and I want you to feed them and care for them. So this is the ministry Peter had. He said, Peter, you're, you're an evangelist. You're, you're an apostle, but you're, you're also a, a shepherd of the house. So it's in this context that I, I see the connection with the father of the two sons because they were both called back into the father's home, into the house, into the tent, into the place of refuge. Say refuge. Is there a place I can go? Someone I can trust? Someone whose love is pure? who doesn't have ulterior motives, somewhere that my soul can find rest, safety, security. This is the heart of people. People are looking for refuge. They're looking for safety. They're looking for home. You know, our bodies need a physical home. Children thrive in homes, in families. And God, the Bible says in Psalm 68, sets the solitary in families. He brings them in and he puts them in what, what I will call church families, right? This is a family. This is a home. And it's dinner time, amen? <laughs> it's dinner time. And you're, you're, we, we receive the word of God and it feeds our spirits. You know, I was thinking recently that Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who feeds on me will have everlasting life. And then and the Pharisees couldn't handle that. They said, how can we eat this man's flesh? But if you read on in John 6, you see that he's talking about my words, their spirit, and their life. And he says, just as I live because of the Father, so shall you live because of me. It's your connection with me 
that causes you to live. And this is a bridge, this is a place where people come and they plug in and they get connected to God. And God says, I want you to help me and I want you to reach out to the lost sons and daughters. Freely you've been given, freely give. Freely you have a place of refuge in my house, in my presence. Now invite others to come into that tent dwelling of safety just like the two sons were in. Did you notice that in the beginning of Luke 15, back to the prodigal son, it was the older religious brother that was living in the tent of safety with the father. He was in the home. He had the inheritance. When the younger son came back, the prodigal son, you remember him, right? He was off living uh, a life of indulgence with harlots and licentious living. The father received him with grace and with mercy and with compassion. Amen? You know, I'm just reminded of the scripture in Matthew 9 where Jesus said that he saw the multitudes and he was moved with compassion. Matthew says of Jesus, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And he said to the disciples, listen, the harvest is plentiful but the labors are few. So the young son, the young prodigal son was weary. He was off on his own. And he came back and the father showed him compassion. And he ran out and he hugged him on his neck and he threw a party. God our father longs for reconciliation with his lost sons and daughters. It's the cry of his heart. He says, I want them to come home. I want them to be with me in my house where they belong, where there's safety, where there's refuge, where there's prosperity, where there's shelter from the storm. But something very interesting happened there. When the lost son came in, the found son went out. And now we have the lost son in the house and the found son or the religious older brother out. So now he's out and lost and disconnected from the father's presence. Why? What's with all this evangelism stuff? We don't want those people in here. They cause trouble. Sheep make messes. Get them out of here. Come on. Come on, he was comfortable. He was ready to receive his portion of the father's inheritance. And if you fancy a book, Timothy Keller, the late Dr. Timothy Keller wrote a book on this, The Prodigal Son, and he talks about the two sons. And it's difficult for us in our contemporary culture to understand the sacrifice that the older brother and the father had to make by bringing in the younger son. You see, the inheritance was split in half, right? Think about the math. Two sons. Dad's got an inheritance. It's cut in half. Are you with me? The younger son takes the half, leaves, wastes it. It's gone. For him to come back, that inheritance has to be cut again because the father only has so much resource. And what this is a picture of is the sacrifice that's required of us that are in the house. You see, we have to make sacrifices to bring in the lost. 
It costs us. It costs us our convenience, our comfort, our, our money in, in some cases, but it, it costs us a portion. We have to give it up so that the loss can come in. Are you with me? So God says, listen, the Father's house is a place of refuge. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. He modeled this for us. God took issue with his shepherds in the Old Covenant in Zechariah 10. He was angry with Israel's shepherds. And in Zechariah 10, God says, I am now, and in the context, you can read up on it later of Zechariah 10, after I send the chief shepherd, the suffering servant, the mighty one, my son, I will whistle for them and gather them, for I will redeem them, and they shall increase as they once increased. I will sow them among the peoples, and they shall remember me in far countries, and they shall live together with their children, and they shall return. So God is saying, I am I'm whistling. I'm calling to them, to my lost sons and daughters to come home. And I want you to have a hand as the hands of the church in this ministry, in my heart's ministry for the lost. I was reminded of Pastor Christa Earborg years ago. He ministered at our church, and Lisa had just cooked a turkey, and so come on over. And he just was with Pastor Ned and Sue, and we were sitting there, and we were making just conversation. And I, I knew he was pastoring in Canada, and I just kind of, I don't want to say flippantly, but it was on my heart. I said, you know, how, are, how is the city that you're pastoring in in Canada? You know, are you reaching out to your city? What's it like there? And he, he, and then he left, and he took my question very seriously, and he contacted Pastor Ned and Sue, and he said, I, if it's okay with you, I'd like to meet with, with Darren, and, and because I feel as though the, his question is important. And he came, next time he came to minister in Rome, we made an appointment. He knocked on my door, and and we, we, we had a little meeting, and he said, I'm like a loaded gun. I've got an answer for you. And my question was, how, how do we reach out to the lost? How do we do it? What do we do? And he said, to reach the lost, we have to open two doors, the doors to our heart and the doors to our homes. And, and he sees that as a, as a formula, a, formula uh, a way for us to reach out uh, to, to the lost. And that's how God wants to, to use us in that. Our homes. Hospitality. In the Old Covenant, hospitality was a central piece of Mosaic law, and it was actually a part of the law. In ancient Israel, according to the Jewish virtual library, Hospitality was not merely a question of good manners, but a moral institution which grew out of the harsh desert and nomadic existence led by the people of Israel. In biblical customs of welcoming the weary traveler, I love that, notice the word weary. In the New Covenant, we're talking about weary souls, amen, and often with weary physical needs. The weary traveler and of receiving the stranger into one's midst was the matrix out of which hospitality and all of its aspects developed in Jewish tradition. Leviticus 19.34, the stranger who dwells among you 
shall be to you as one born among you. And you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. I mean, Leviticus is the law. And, and the people of Israel were required to show hospitality to strangers. Abraham in Genesis 18 ran out to meet the, two, the three men of Mamre who came from afar. He offered them water, food, cleaning of their feet. Lot's visitors, remember the two angels that visited Lot? And he hid them in the house. And the evil men of that city came to abuse those men. And what did Lot do? He shut the doors and he protected them because of the law of hospitality and the law of protection and refuge. He even offered his daughters instead of those men, which is a difficult thing to accept. But he was bound by law to protect those men. David said it this way. And again, the, the visual that I'm using is of, of the father's tent in Luke 15. The father's house. Remember the two sons? Safety. Refuge. Psalm 7. Lord, my God, I take refuge in you. Save and deliver me from all who pursue me, or they will tear me apart like a lion and rip me to pieces with no one to rescue me. Proverbs 14 says, in the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence and his children will have a place of refuge. And my favorite in Psalm 91, Moses says, he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. So God wants us as his children to know that we have a place of refuge and a place of safety. In other translations in the Old Testament, the word refuge, the Hebrew word is actually translated trust in some places. God says, you can trust me with your life. You can give me your life as we were singing about earlier. You could surrender your life to me. You can entrust me with it and I will keep you safe. I will provide for you. I will love you. I will care for you as a good shepherd cares for his sheep, for I am the good shepherd. And there's, there's something that I read several years ago that really brings this to life. I don't know if you've ever read the memoir of Marcus Luttrell, the Navy SEAL survivor. In his book, Lone Survivor, he tells the story of a SEAL mission that went awry where four Navy SEALs went into Afghanistan on a mission. And what happened was they ran into a goat herder and his son. And it's customary for them to execute those men because they could give up their location. And then the mission's gone. But they let them live. And after they let them live, they went down the hill and they alerted the Taliban that there were four U.S. soldiers up on the hill. And in about 20 minutes, they found themselves under intense gunfire by about 250 Taliban soldiers armed with AK-47s. Those Navy SEALs held their position and pushed back those Taliban forces for hours. They took out hundreds of men. They fought valiantly. 
two of them fought, shot several times, continued to fight, continued to fight, continued to protect one another. But it came down to Mikey, Marcus's fellow soldier, and up on the rock, he had a decision to make. He was, was already shot. And he knew that if he went up on the rock and gave off that beacon signal, that the American military would be able to potentially mark their location and save them. Not save him, but save Marcus, because he knew that the minute he went up on that rock that he would be shot. But he did it anyway. He gave his life for his friend. He gave up and he sent that beacon out and he was shot immediately. But as the story continues, Marcus Luttrell, for hours, staved off more soldiers. He ran. He literally fell backwards down a mountain and he found himself cornered, shot, wounded, thirsty, in and out of consciousness until he finally gave up. And a man was standing over him. His name was Sarawa. And when he saw him, he realized that he was not Taliban. He said, are you Taliban? No Taliban. No Taliban, he said. And I want to just read to you what that man, who was a part of a village there, had to decide about the state of this soldier. Sarawa returned. They gave me some more water, and again, he checked over my wound. Didn't look one bit happy, but there were more important things to discuss than the state of my wound. I did not, of course, realize this, but the decision Sarawa and his friends were making carried huge responsibilities and possibilities, momentous consequences. They had to decide whether to take me in, whether to help me, to shelter me and feed me, most important, whether to defend me. These were Pashtun uh, tribesmen. And yet there was something I did not know. They were talking about Loke Warkal. And this is the covenant relationship of hospitality that the villagers and the Pashtuns have had for generations. And the law simply is this. When you take a stranger in and you show hospitality, you are required to defend them to the death. The literal translation of loke, warkawal, is giving of, of a pot. So when you break bread and you offer them food and hospitality, you're coming into covenant with them. To an American, especially one in such terrible shape as I was, this concept of loke, of helping out a wounded man, possibly a dying man, was pretty routine for me. You do what you can to help people. But for these guys, the concept carried many onerous responsibilities. Loke means not only providing care and shelter, it means an unbreakable commitment to defend that wounded man to death. And not just the death of the principal tribesman or his family who made the original commitment for giving of the pot. It means for the whole village. 
Loke means the population of that village will fight to the last man, honor bound to protect the individual they have invited in to share their hospitality. And this is not something to have a chit-chat about when things get rough. It's not a point of renegotiation. This is strictly non-negotiable. Well, if you read the book, you realize, and by the way, this is the most, these men are the most trained military personnel in the world. They're the most skilled marksmen in all the American military. But it wasn't his M2 rifle or his skill that saved his life. It was a covenant commitment of this village to take care of him. They brought him in, and the Taliban couldn't touch him. They surrounded the village because they knew where he was. He fell off the back of the mountain. There's hundreds of men trying to chase this man down for his life. They had the village surrounded, but they couldn't touch him because they knew if they did, they would have to fight the entire village and break that tribal law. At night, the Taliban, actually one night, they did find their way in and they beat him mercilessly. And it was a tremendous embarrassment for the head chief, the chief of the village that they had gotten in. And they couldn't kill him. They knew they couldn't kill him. But they beat him and they questioned him. After the chief had found out that that happened, they had literally armed men surrounding him. A stranger! He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. How much more will our God take us in? You know that in, in and I'm almost done, in Numbers, the Bible talks about refuge cities where if you murdered unintentionally, you could go to a city of refuge, you would go to the chief tribesman, well, actually the high priest, and you would pull on the tent cords of the high priest and he would have to let you in by law. And he would have to protect you against the accusers and the murderers, the avenger of blood that was after you. This is a picture of what Jesus did for us at the cross. Because at the cross, Jesus said, this is the blood of the new covenant in my blood. And when you come into covenant with me, you come into protection You come into refuge. You come into safety. And the enemy can't touch you. The avenger of blood, the wrath that's coming, cannot touch you. When you leave your body and you begin to slip out of your physical body, your spirit, your soul cannot be taken by the demons that take souls off to hell. You will be saved. You will come into a place of refuge and safety. You will come into the bosom and the heart of the Father's house where your spirit belongs. When we receive Christ, when we come home to the Father, we come home to a place of safety and refuge, care. And God says, I'm serious. This is a covenant relationship. If the Pashtun tribal men and the house of Israel in the old covenant knew 
how to care for strangers, how much more the church of Jesus Christ? How much more does God want us to care for the stranger, for the weary, to invite them in, to bring them in to the house of God and to care for them, to have concern for their souls? Can I challenge us tonight? Lord, give us a heart for the lost. Give us a heart. You see, we can't do it without the heart of God. We can't do it without his spirit. Lord, move upon our hearts. Move upon us, Lord, for your lost sons and daughters, Lord. Help us, Lord, to restore to them, to bring them home, Lord, even as you brought that prodigal son home, Lord, and restored to him authority, the ring, purity, the sandals, sonship, the robe, fellowship, acceptance, the gathering. God's called us to bring them in and clean them up and give them the authority to fight again. Father, we thank you, God. Lord, we're willing to be laborers together with you in your vineyard. Show us the way, Lord. Show us the way to feed. Show us the way to hospitality, Lord. Show us our role that we might work together in the vineyard thinking not only of ourselves and our own salvation and our own needs, but the needs of those that are lost and that don't know you, God. Help us, we pray, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.